0: Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, in one corner, a man who surely has some backyard wrestling experience. Joe Hilliard.
1: That's yeah, me. I'm here to play. I'm here to review. I'm here to drink. And if y'all don't like it, you can fucking kill you
0: And in the other corner, a man who so selflessly gave up uh, what was sure to be an illustrious career of backyard wrestling ringside commentary to be an educator and mold the minds of tomorrow. David Gurney. Yeah, you what you folks
2: down here in South Texas don't understand, and that us Yankees get because I'm from the Northeast. You understand where we have intellectualism. I mean, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, <laughs> y- y- you uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. You have these great luminaries, and that's the kind of mentality that I come to this podcast with. Whereas you guys are just oh, here. We are in South Texas. It's so hot. You take
1: that trash back to me. <laughs> We
2: know you are what you. We know what you are, and that's a dirtbag. bag. you'll always be a dirtbag. You'll always be a Westbrook dirtbag. <laughs> oh. I sure am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, if you can't tell from <laughs> Carlos's,
1: uh, I had nothing to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm <was laughs> ready to go. I'm yeah, know. To We,
2: we, we got to get into this. Uh, you know, if if you couldn't tell, we're, we're doing kind of a wrestling themed episode. Uh, Unexpectedly enough, we we hadn't left our last recording thinking that that was going to be the case, but uh, we'll maybe get into what led us there very shortly, but uh, I thought it was probably the best sort of beer tie-in that we could have. This episode or the best one that we've had in some time to have our first beer for the evening be none other than El Segundo Brewing Company's Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. Perfect pairing. Yeah, Great pairing. Uh, a beer that has just recently come into our market. This was one that I, I know it's been around a few years, but uh, El Segundo just started distributing down here. Uh, this is, as you would expect, a badass 6.7% <laughs> IPA designed by Steve Austin and the folks at El Segundo. They say it's for the working man and woman. I like that. And it we features like uh, Citra, Cascade, Chinook uh, and as the hop profile there, and then... Uh, It delivers big flavor with an easy finish is what it says. So, we'll go ahead and get that cracked. I know you guys already got some in your glass. I'm going to get
1: some in mine. You bet your ass! Mm -hmm. I saw this at the grocery store and walked right by it. Really? Yeah, I think it was before we had decided to do wrestling. Yeah. uh, Or the wrestling-themed show this week. But I don't know. The name Steve Austin did the opposite of what the marketing team, for me, had intended on it happening. I could see that being the
0: case. And I you know i think that if i just walked past this hadn't heard anything about it hadn't had anyone talk to me about it or anything of that nature i probably would have done the same thing i would have just kept going wrestling isn't doesn't do a lot for me i do like steve austin he's a surprisingly like um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Charismatic. A surprisingly left-leaning individual, <clears throat> and uh, someone who has vocally um, supported lots of um, you the know, working man and woman. Yeah, but also more social issues, and like has you. You can you can see examples of him. Uh, confronting bigots on Twitter and stuff and telling them how fucking shitty they are. See, I don't even know that
2: that much about... Steve Austin era is kind of past when I was watching wrestling. I I mean, I was aware of him as a figure. He was part of that huge late 90s Mm -hmm. wrestling explosion. Um and I, but I do remember he was associated with beer because he would often be bringing out beer, <laughs> yeah, smashing them, smashing and them sort of. It. And I think he he car. was more like domestic loggers. Was, uh, like, was it Miller? I, I, or I thought something? it was
1: Coors, but it might I also be, I don't know. I you
2: can heard find heard. gifts online sure. if you're interested. Okay, th- so El Segundo's th- out of
1: California.
2: Yeah. They are. I mean, legit, he's out of Texas.
1: Yeah, legit company.
0: Yeah, and, and, uh, and
1: so I mean, why walk past it just because there's a wrestler's name on it? I'm glad we can try it tonight.
0: Yeah, I will and I was. I was going to cap it off with um, that a, a friend of mine, Aaron um, who as you two might recognize him as one of the two photographers at my wedding mm. uh, he also has shot two of the sword collector music, or I guess both of the sword collector music videos that aren't we have a third that's found footage but he, so he shot all the sword collector music videos um, he had spoken highly of this to me And he had gotten it through like one of those, like, I think it was like Craft Beer Kings or Craft Shack or something like that. Um, And he had told me about it because he had, he had gotten me one of Danny Trejo's beers. Oh, Uh, yeah. He had given me a can of one of those. And he mentioned this when he gave it to me. Um, Also with some very delicious barbecue. (laughs) <laughs> he's very he's, he's Aaron is very good at barbecuing. And so once this finally was accessible and I didn't have to go super far out of my way to it uh or to get it uh when Lucy's got it several months ago, I I went and picked up a four or six pack or whatever the fuck it was and um have my thoughts about it that I will reveal later. Yeah. Not to see if they stand up. Not I mean to it's been a, it. it's been a little while. Speaking of my thoughts on things, yeah. If you're a fan of this show, you should check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash beer a movie podcast, mm-hmm. where we continue our conversation, uh, often talking about topics that aren't just limited to movies no. or beer or beer. Yeah. So think about that while you're listening to us dissect. You cannot kill David Arquette.
1: <laughs> it turns out that David Arquette did a stint. On the WWE or WWF or whatever WCW w- time. At that time. I, 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 hate, yeah.
2: I hate to get in here with the Dude, yes. Look, look, I I, I know don't Dick hate
1: to because I was about to say I don't know anything about uh, David Arquette's little thing that he. Yeah, did. yeah. I,
0: I don't. I don't either. But I will. I will very gladly specify because the only time I ever did watch wrestling was in the late '90s. I was a small child, and it was WCW, NWO back then. Uh, yeah, It was before WWF. And then later, WWE.
1: Okay, well, we can go there. I, in eighth grade, seventh grade, moved to a very small town, and all of the kids were into wrestling, and there was a thing called the Saturday Night Wrestling, and that uh, was the Von Eriks and the Claw. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And they would put you in the claw, which was like a face hugger on your skull yeah. with their you know claw hand. Um, and uh, I was raised in church, so Sunday mornings, the morning after Saturday Night Wrestling, uh, everyone would talk about it,
0: and I would not
1: because I tried. I wanted to fit in, but I never, ever, ever it ne- got it. it never caught it for you. Never, it never. never. Now I've stayed up with it through the time. I knew who The Rock was when he was the res- wrestling yeah. uh, Stone Cold. You know, I mean, I know the names because they've John become, Cena. It's John Cena. They've become bigger you and can't bigger. Uh, percentage of entertainment in the entertainment world, wrestling has grown and grown and grown with all these stars that we've talked
2: about. Yeah, and a number of them have gone, Mm -hmm. grown beyond the confines of professional wrestling. WCW is different than
1: WWE.
2: And WCW is defunct. It is no longer a thing. But yes, it is the one that was, I can't remember what region. Wrestling, it's a fascinating thing if you ever look into it. Wrestling was very, very regional for a very long time, meaning that like, in the south in and like the, chunks the, the of the Tennessee south, circuit you or had whatever, specific yeah. promoters uh-huh. who pretty much owned the market. At one time in the Northeast, where I'm from, that was the WWF, which now has become WWE, but they were the ones who sort of grew beyond that yeah. and started but also shortly after that, WCW, which was a promotion that I think was based more in like the Southeast Atlantic Seaboard sort of thing, got bought up by Ted Turner. Who was obviously he owns or owned TBS uh-huh. and CNN, and so it became like a TBS affiliated. Right. Kind of thing okay. where they had the WCW. So for a while there, it was like WWF and WCW were the two major national okay uh, professional wrestling. And on WCW, I, what years was it? David Arquette
1: did a little stint. That was
2: around two thousand. He had done a film. Yeah, uh mm-hmm. co- What the film was called? Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Thank you. Wow. Which I've st- I've not seen. We probably should have paired that. Although I think mm-hmm. what we paired is is smarter. But yeah.
0: I haven't I haven't seen
2: that either. But it, apparently it was a wrestling themed film. Yeah. And as part of the promotion, and I do remember in my days, because I was more, I watched in the 80s going into the early 90s when I was younger, a kid, and at that time, uh, I watched a little WCW, much more WWF, and... there were some films that came out. Hulk Hogan was being promoted as a movie star at that time. He did a film called No Holds Barred. Oh, yeah, I remember Mr. That. Nanny. He was in uh, Rocky III. Of course. So There, were these, cr- there were these cross promotions that were going on with various films. And so this seems to have been a version of that that happened around 2000, where David Arquette was in this Ready to Rumble right. film. And so WCW, which I I talked to a friend of mine, a colleague, uh, who, who's a deeply devout wrestling fan um, has encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling. And, uh, and I find it fascinating because I I chat with him occasionally about my recollections of the eighties and early nineties. And he knows stuff like right, right off the bat, like, Oh yeah, that was this match then this place, blah, 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 blah. But he was telling me that this was like a moment. It was towards the end of WCW and they were kind of flagging already, but most wrestling fans, and we see it in this film, Uh really saw this David Arquette crossover promotion as a low point in wrestling. Yeah. It's uh and and so, you know, Arquette came in and partly why it's, you know, the cross promotion thing is one thing, uh-huh. but they didn't just cross promote. They made the guy the heavyweight champion of WCW wrestling.
0: Right. And that which that, there is only the heavyweight, right? And the, I actually the, uh, I don't oh, remember God. with WCW. <laughs> That's with what def- we should do is just ask David. Russell. With
2: WWF, there were at least when I was watching, there were two distinct titles. There was the sort of main heavyweight one, and uh-huh. then there was an intercontinental championship, which had nothing to do with anybody being cross-continental in terms of how they wrestled. Or you know, like they weren't yeah. going over to Europe to wrestle. Iron but Sheik was. It, in was, that it, one, was I hope. it was sort of the second tier belt that yeah. I you know they could not have not as like, good. Yeah. Right, exactly. And there were the okay, tags. so we, let's and, talk about the film. <laughs> let's talk about the movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, the, the basic idea, yeah, go I was, ahead. I was just gonna say that,
1: that it, in the early 2000s, he David, this, David Arquette yeah. did this thing on WCW, and the film's conceit is that he suffered psychologically since that moment for one reason, and one reason only, and that is because the fans did not embrace or take him seriously as a wrestler. And so, yeah, they, he, he sullied... He he made it a joke. Yes. His involvement. Right. So this film now sees him. uh, Courtney Cox actually appears in the film briefly. She comes in. They obviously have a warm relationship despite being exes. But it shows his journey into, and the film came out this year, and we had even discussed like maybe doing it when it first came out. I can't remember why it fell off the radar, but this this was perfect. I'm so glad that we Mm -hmm. did this this way. Um, shows him trying to uh, become a legitimate wrestler. Because he wasn't a legitimate wrestler the first time. He was a movie star. No, he was a, a movie star playing This time role. he's going to yeah. be a legitimate wrestler. So it is a reality series kind of documentary, if you will, about the psychological and physical transformation of trying to become a wrestler. He's a little doughy at the beginning. He gets a little a little cut up toward the end. He uh, goes to Mexico to learn from the luchadores, uh, mm-hmm. sophisticated twirling moves that he masters and brings back as he, again, tries to become a... Se- take a more serious role this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it shows some of the wrestler, the movie The Wrestler, how he cut himself with the razor blade. It shows some behind-the-scenes stuff about how they choreograph it, uh, how he gets his... Uh, uh, there is a scene, and then I'll, I'll, I've will i talked too long. There's a scene where he gets hit uh, with a fluorescent light. Yeah. Uh, the tubes. <laughs> several. You know. um, yeah, several. Uh, and it goes horribly wrong, and he nicks his neck and his jugular has to has to go to the ER I mean he finishes the match and then has to go to the ER and so you get the impression that there is some reality to the violence and there's other examples as well getting cold cocked in the face hard for real a couple of times Um, more than that (laughs) but it's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting look into the kind of behind the scenes world of wrestling and David Arquette as the star you like the guy or you don't that's it's, the movie's about him, really, more than anything else. Outside of wrestling fans, do you think there are people that don't
0: like David Arquette? Just, like, fully? That are like, fuck David Arquette?
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah. can see him coming off as as a bit... Um, he talks
1: about not, it in the well, film. Well, not
0: just but... in this film. I mean, before this film. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I I've I've known don't... i people think...
1: that would say, I'm not going to go see that because David Arquette's in it. Like, they would
0: see it if it was somebody else, but yeah. like no, because David Arquette is in. This, I think I, will I think not see this David film.
1: Arquette has a ta- you have a taste in your mouth about David Arquette, and it's not always positive for a lot of people. Or or, or it's who who cares? Oh, the guy from that, scream. See that
0: I, that I, I can imagine yeah. the indifference to him, but I it's hard for me to imagine an active dislike of him well, has, if you're not a wrestling fan. He, I get that people hate him in the wrestling community because of that. Yeah, like that seems like a thing that people that you might deserve some backlash for. But sure. outside
1: of Scream, I don't consider David Arquette Ain't an like actor freaks, worth... You could have put 25 different guys in there. He okay. didn't do anything to make that movie better. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not necessarily <laughs> going to argue with that. I, I wouldn't replace Carrie Were. Wow. I got that right, right? I have no idea. I, no
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, li- I I have I have a hard time finding anything not to like about. He seems like a nice uh, guy. I think you could take
1: him out of scream and replace him and the movie wouldn't change. Oh,
0: that I that I disagree with. I with having had enough experience with that franchise mm-hmm. and seen those movies enough times, I think that
1: No, this is not a personal opinion he's a fine guy he's a stern fan i'm a stern fan he's a stern guest and does fantastic radio he's funny he's charitable he's got a fantastic heart i think you see some of that in this movie yeah Uh, and uh but that it's him there doesn't get my attention that's probably why i wasn't super excited to super excited to see it i'm glad that i did
2: yeah i you know i i think he's He's a quirky, oddball kind of character actor, right? I mean, that's that's mostly what I associate him with is is these roles that are kind of. He's almost never the lead. He's almost never the the real center of attention. He he isn't the the moral center of a film. He's like the the goofy neighbor yeah. more more than anything. And I like that. It, I do too. I mean, I I appreciate what he can do, but I think he also to go back to what Carlos was saying. I think he has a propensity to be in roles that can position him as a somewhat annoying or grating character. And so that can... He also, of, do you think he lives in the shadow of his sister? I don't think I so. I mean, his family, in a sense. But yeah. She, she's
1: an Oscar winner. I mean, you know, a, sh- a shadow of acting ability that sure. I've never seen.
2: In, at least in terms of like those kind of credible roles, yeah. in dramas, yes. I. Right. I so, anyway, so, the yeah. end of the film.
1: I'm really curious to know what you guys thought about this one.
2: Yeah, I I mean I was kind of surprised. If we did discuss doing this earlier last year, it, it totally evaporated from my mind because when Carlos on our uh, chat had said Arquette with you know exclamation points behind, it, I'm like, yeah, me too. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? And the, there's and, some new
1: releases that I'd kind of rather see.
2: And then I looked and I'm like, okay, sure enough, there's this 2020 documentary. Uh, you know, that you cannot kill David Arquette. And but the, strange title, okay, but apparently a song that was uh, it's based on you know pre predated the yeah. film, so that um, oh that's interesting. I assumed that the they made that for the film. Yes. No, they, quite quite the opposite. It was it was a I think it was about his first stint in wrestling, mm, like maybe somewhat jokingly, mm-hmm. and then yeah. Um, but so and I didn't know anything about his stint in wrestling. I didn't you know like I, I said I, I wasn't watching then. So I'm like what. In the hell could this documentary about David Arquette be? But, you know, reading quickly the synopsis, oh, he's getting into wrestling. Oh, that's interesting. Because, again, I have a little bit of interest. So, you, you, know, you, you had to dust the cobwebs yeah, out of Yeah, dust wrestling the cobwebs. and, and said, head. okay, this could be a fun, just something different, yeah. right? I mean, like we, we do, we, we've been doing some heavy hitting, serious kind of films over the past few weeks. So, I thought it could be fun to mix it up. So, I, I, I went ahead and, you know, that evening, I think when, when we tossed it around i put it on it was on hulu and it starts up and it felt really rough to me i didn't like i'm like this is gonna be this guy feeling bad for himself and like i don't really feel that bad for him is he really in that (laughs) bad of shit like but once it kind of got going and i kind of i mean i had a couple different um you know light bulbs go off one i would say probably 20 25 minutes into it I kind of realized wait 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 this is all a setup yeah. the, you know the, this like pitting him as an underdog and doing all this sort of stuff is is to set me up for what's going to come and so I can't I can't judge this as somehow an authentic document of what this guy's life is this is a setup this is them showing me the idea that this is
1: produced yeah it wears itself on its sleeve sometimes but they do a
2: pretty good job i mean that's what i was going to say is I, even going into it, kind of knowing it had to have been con- a concocted scenario mm-hmm. for him or, you know, by him, that watching that first 20, 30 minutes, I was able to just kind of, you know, ignore that and kind of feel like, oh, this is going to be some kind of self-serving documentary about, and and I almost shut it off. I mean, I'll be honest, like around 20, 25 minutes, I was at the point oh, where to, I'm like. To
1: complete it at a later time.
2: I don't know. I was actually contemplating just texting and saying, like, let's pick something else. I don't think I want to watch the rest of this thing.
0: Damn.
2: Uh, That would have been a first. But thats I think I would have said no. That's (laughs) when I had my first revelation where I'm like, okay, but this is the setup. This is the setup. This is where I'm going. And then he actually gets into the pursuit of this new... Moment in, in wrestling to to be able to recuperate himself redeem himself mm-hmm. in the eyes of of the of the public and at that point it kind of got it got really interesting I thought um, and, and it got interesting in several ways one in that. I think of anything I've seen, and I've watched some documentaries on. I've watched. There was a great documentary on Andre the Giant a few years back. And that I think was, it was a on really HBO, good documentary, um, which is good, but I it does mean, not get into the mechanics of wrestling.
0: Yeah, it's more about him.
2: It's more about him as a public persona, and in mm. those crazy stories about him being able to drink like. Speaking, of, I was gonna say. Speaking of a beer drinker, yeah, let's yeah, raise our glasses. Yeah, so, yeah right. Drink like twelve barrels of beer the way we. He had a, some strange, yeah. uh, you know, ability. Anybody want a
1: peanut?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He was huge, but I think even beyond his size, somehow he was able to just take down alcohol like nobody's business. But but that said, so I've watched a few wrestling documentaries over the years, but very few that get into the actual choreographing, the actual behind the scenes mm-hmm. sort of, you know, narrative making, storytelling mm-hmm. that goes on. Like, how do these decisions get made? Mm-hmm. What, who, who wins? Why do they win? Those kind of things. So, and I know they're out there. It's it's just I don't watch them. You know, they're they're more for the wrestling audience, but the ones that have kind of poked above haven't been that. But this one has that in some interesting ways. And so there were some great scenes in there that kind of revealed some of the behind the scenes, the how how all this gets
0: put together. His conversation with RJ City that's like Cut together with them actually yes. fighting, like yeah, it cuts that to was them great. talking about it this. and seeing okay. and it. And then, then I'm gonna go
1: down, like, and then mm-hmm. you, I'll turn over. Yeah, and then it shows them. Yes, yeah, Precisely. That's a re- Very good sequence. Absolutely. Yeah, re- I, I, wrestling's fake. I mean, I mean, <laughs> well, hold, uh, it, that opened my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it is interesting because we've gone, you know,
2: and I don't, I don't know if 2000 we were still in it, but certainly when I was watching in the 80s and 90s. The fakeness was still something that was very closely guarded. There was a moment in professional wrestling, and I think it was probably right around 2000, where it just became an open thing that yeah, no, this is all very scripted. But you, you know,
1: like, and it, you,
2: it's melodrama. In case you yeah.
1: missed them stamping the box, the the ring hard mm-hmm. every single time they'd hit somebody prior to now, right? Those but those weren't real the, noises. Yeah,
2: anyhow, okay. so, yeah. so all pretense was dropped. It was, a, you know what yeah. I mean. But it, but there was, you know. So it, it it's interesting. I I don't know if it dates to
1: until you nick your jugular before him. Yes, right,
2: right. Well, yeah, that shit was crazy. I mean, we we, we can talk about that uh, in a moment here. But but so so the 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 reverence that it seemed to have for the whole endeavor of wrestling became apparent, and I appreciated that. And his story, to see him actually transform himself the way he did, what he went through to actually get there, because he trains, right? He Mm -hmm. starts out the film, and probably purposefully. I'm sure he, before they started shooting for a couple months, just ate shit and acted, you know, and did as little activity as he could. So he got a paunch, and he was looking kind of overweight. His first Uh,
0: photo shoot's really funny.
2: Yes, that, that was hilarious. So, you know, I'm sure that there was a bit... Again, the setup, but the fact that he was able to take it off, Mm -hmm. learn, you know, go to these various people, learn various moves, Mm -hmm. um, go through with it and perform on some pretty big stages and, you know, in a couple big arenas towards the end and really pull it off and seemingly you know in a way that captivated fans and and made them it it, it became like good matches this incredibly like heartwarming kind of like triumph over the against the odds even if again it's it's somewhat fictional like wrestling, uh, that he was in the spot that he's supposed to be in at the beginning. Uh-huh. It was a lovely thing to see that he was able to transform and to be embraced by the fans and to kind of go through and and have the experience he did. So by the end of it, I was totally won over, and I've actually recommended this film to several people since watching it
0: and see, and seeing like seeing his kids go from very reluctant to like really invested in his mm. fight with RJ City. Like, yeah, that was really. Nice to, I mean, that was really I don't nice believe scene. a word of
1: that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't believe a word of the wife scared to death. Yeah, <laughs> I don't believe, I don't know, a-
0: man. That first backyard fight, it looked like he got legit no. fucked up. Yeah, it, well, yeah. like
1: I, I, I want to dive into a couple of these scenes. Well, this I is di- I didn't, I mean, to, I didn't this, mean, did not mean to derail you.
2: Well, that's the thing. So, wrestling, you know, to go back to what, what I was just talking about, is fake. In the sense that it is scripted, there are predetermined outcomes, Yeah, there's... But People get hurt though. What's What's not fake is that this is a very physical yeah. sort of performance that they're doing, and they are literally throwing each other around, yeah. bouncing off each other, landing on each other in ways that, granted, you know, to your point, Joe, are exaggerated, and to somebody who's not used to wrestling probably come off as super fake, but then if you really think about it, it's like, there's a ton of danger involved. I mean, if you have a 300-pound guy flying at you through sometimes the air... Sometimes more. Sometimes ideal. more. Big sometimes is huge. Oh, absolutely. Kamala. Let's go. A chair being brought into uh-huh. the ring, a fluorescent light bulb, whatever, like all these other, you know, sort of illegal items that do get brought into matches all the time. <laughs> that are in a warehouse somewhere, all it takes somewhere backstage. Is, you know, all it takes is you being, like, an inch off of where you're hoping that you're going to hit, yeah, to really whack somebody in a way that could you know do them some damage. Now, whether the light bulb cutting him in the neck was something that they had sort of pre-planned, they wanted to have some dramatic uh, thing to pull him away from.
0: Uh, I don't think th- that it was. I don't
2: know. I think it could be. If it was, but if, if, it, if was, it was, they pulled it off really well. That's right. And if it wasn't, in a way that some of the and if it worked, wasn't, it was very off, right? narratively convenient for them. Sure.
0: Yeah. So I I I think that that I had seen a I had seen an an article about it the other day that I didn't click on because I hadn't seen the film, um, but I think that I think that that was an actual accident that like seriously threatened his life.
1: I could be wrong though. Go on and see what. Well, I was just gonna say that the strength of the film is David Arquette and. I, you know, I kind of realized I like this person. I don't really care for him as an actor. I, You know. Yeah. I, I, But I like the idea that he threw himself into this project with the fervor that he did. Yeah. I like the goofiness of the magician character that he came up with. Yeah. <laughs> and how he would throw the streamers yes. out and that became one of his little traits. I like that he Came up with it and stuck with it for the entire film. Because every time those things would come out of his hands, I would laugh. Yeah. Um, I had the same experience that I did with this uh, when I watched Exit Through the Gift Shop. And that is that you realize during the film... You have a question while you're watching it of oh god they're they're playing a trick on me yeah, yeah. and how much of it is a trick mm-hmm. and now I'm gonna start trying to figure out the cracks and the where you know um ultimately i mean it, it it I would recommend this film as well um it it does all of the things that I like a documentary to do it shows me things that I don't know it it takes me into a world that I wouldn't go into in any other way, in a safe way, mm-hmm. and I liked the lead, you know who was a who was a, fic, a fictionalized version of himself as a narrative, you know what I mean? But is it Michael Moore too? You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for the sure. purposes of the film project that is being created, yeah. Um, and you mentioned a narrative convenience with the nicking of the jugular, yeah. That that was a
0: real unexpected thing that happened okay. and that's and that's why he walks out of the ring and then comes back into it and right. gets pinned yeah um which is referred to as a as he no sold the match so he like forego he like for.
1: it was they did away with the middle part well, and went straight to the ending
0: well no i mean it was i think most of it went the way it was supposed to but he didn't do his job and making it seem real when he got pinned oh, okay. he just walked in and was like okay like let's get just yeah. pinned and left." Yeah. And he had actually, when that happened, because that footage before the documentary was ever close to being released, was circulating the internet, and he released a statement on Twitter. Um, First, he said, uh, seems like death matches aren't really my thing. Mm -hmm. And then he released a longer statement later, basically saying, the reason this happened is because... I'm not experienced enough, and I didn't truly understand what I was getting into, and, like, I'm fine, but I am now taking my training much more seriously and will continue to, like, wrestle under different yeah. circumstances. So he legit almost, like, died mm-hmm. from
2: that. I still don't know if I fully buy it. I mean, what w- you know, if, I, I can, if I he can, set it up, wouldn't he have done that on Twitter? Well... well
0: i think the thing is is that he like came down wrong or he like wasn't distributing his weight properly when it was happening okay and so what was supposed to be what was supposed to look really dangerous and and like scare the audience yeah. turned out to actually be very dangerous yeah no
2: i i mean i i can believe it i just i feel like
1: it, yeah anyway these the, aren't
2: these aren't the trick bulbs
1: yeah, yeah. um well, I don't but when he was. go okay so the other thing that the film does is it goes into the regional thing. When he gets into an early match, he doesn't we are to believe he doesn't know what he's getting into, he doesn't know where he's going, but he goes to a backyard wrestling match where yeah. there is really no audience. I right. mean except for I mean, the, the handful other of drunk yeah. people. Yeah. And the narrative here is this is the beginning of David Arquette's journey back and I'm we're still mad at him. As those wrestling fans that were betrayed back right. in the WCW days, so let's fucking teach this guy a lesson. Yeah, and look, camera trickery, perhaps, but that looks like they just beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I mean, like full contact fists to the face Dropped at the very beginning. Thumbtacks. And yeah. unless David Arquette is a much better actor than I give him credit for, I, the reaction on his face when he gets that first hit, yeah, it, it, it is real. But maybe that's part of the whole thing, which makes me like it just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, I I agree. I I love that he started with the backyard because, I mean, he really does, in the course of this film, go through all of the various, like, manifestations of, quote unquote, professional wrestling. Because backyard wrestling, there's nothing professional about it except that they are aping some of what gets done at
1: the professional level. Is there a scout circuit? (laughs) <laughs> and, and with and with much I less. There might be I don't experience. think it's
2: as I don't think it's as much a scout circuit as the people who maybe would start with backyard wrestling who are any good at it or who have a physique that could allow them to be seen mm-hmm. by a larger audience would go on to some of those small regional because there are still regional promoters that it's not quite the same as it used to be. But, you know, you could find small wrestling matches getting promoted. In whatever but area you're But I you're think in. of
1: John Cena and The Rock and people that have no ability to play football or baseball or basketball looking at those heroes instead uh-huh. and saying, I'm going to become The Rock. Yeah. I'm going to be the head of the, the top dog at WWE. And I need to start. I need to pay my dues, right. I would imagine. I would imagine. I don't know anything about it. In these, like, working your way on up. Right. And so... And that's... I think you're right. I mean, that's true. The, the but guys if there is no are... audience... At the backyard match, you're just
2: learning the 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 showmanship, the moves, and you're probably putting your body through a lot more torture than it will go through Later. if you go on right. to actual. Because it seems like they didn't know all the rules of the fakery. At the yeah, backyard no, match. I think that's part of it. Now, the, did we do? We did Peanut Butter Falcon in the show, yeah, right? I, did, I yeah. mean, you remember so the backyard wrestling it's behind, there? It it's very, very similar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a thing. They're they're not. You know, that film wasn't making it up. This film is made. You know, there is. A phenomenon of, I'm sure there are backyards here, yeah. right in this city, there Corpus are. Christi, that we could go to right now, and yeah. we would see the ramshackle ring set up, and there might even be a couple guys there going through some moves right now. Post-COVID, when it's safe for us to go to this event, shall we? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm <laughs> if, not kidding. If, if, I yeah. was going to say, I, I have a feeling we we could tap some of our wrestling resources in town. There's probably somebody who could put us on to uh, local promotion. Friend of the show,
0: Josh De Leon, uh former projectionist, uh, big wrestling fan actually at one point here pretty recently was talking about training to be a wrestler yeah uh and i don't know if that has changed or where he is in that process or what he's doing but he seemed pretty serious about it when i talked to him uh
1: i'd love to see it man and there's an annual event here in town where the luchadores come into town and okay that's always a lot of fun
0: so I, okay, so I think that I buy this a lot more than you guys do. A lot of this, um, by what just everything about it, like I believe it more yeah. than I think. Well, I the believe two of you it, do. you but, know,
1: the claw didn't hurt them when you gave them the claw,
0: <laughs> but like the street wrestling shit was crazy too. It was fun. Like, we didn't talk about that? that. That was great. That, that, yeah, like, that was a great scene. That's fucking scary. That's asphalt, my oh, guy. yeah, yeah, like you know, I. Bringing I, ladders
2: out onto the asphalt and yeah. jumping on each other, yeah. I
0: don't think yeah. that when David Arquette does the thing that he, it was really spontaneous and they right. were just like, what, obviously that part is probably like they set it up or whatever. But like even when the those guys are doing the thing where they kind of like jump up and wrap their legs around somebody and like throw them uh-huh. down or yeah. whatever, like they're throwing someone on ass fall. Yeah, like yeah. no, fuck it's, it's like that. you said
1: earlier, if you were an inch off, you're gonna, you know, yeah, you know, your it's head fucking could crazy. Strike in a way that you don't and, intend it.
0: And to. then also too, I think whenever that guy gives him his mask, like Arquette seems very
2: moved. Oh, I by think that he experience. is. I mean, you know? so don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't think there's anything really disingenuous about what's going on with this film. But I do think, like professional wrestling, there was a story that they had in mind that they wanted to tell. There were going to be certain beats to the story. He was going to be... He needed to be set up as the underdog. He needed to put front and center a real situation that he really was. I mean, that was the thing that I checked with my uh, encyclopedic wrestling fan friend Mm -hmm. was is that really looked at as this black mark on wrestling? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that is, if you asked an average fan in all likelihood, they would report to you that the worst moment in wrestling history was when David Arquette held the WCW title. Maybe not, not right when now, Trump came but out. like a few years I was ago. say,
0: yeah, uh, not with Trump. No, they, they have no
2: problem with Trump. I
0: was going to uh, say. There's a reason why he was there. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, and not as the villain. Um, so, so that I don't have any problem. There was a real thing. But I think he, you know, opportunistically kind of looked at it like, hey, I want to do this thing. I want to create this story about me as this underdog. I wanna come back and I wanna and I do think he really loved the enterprise. I I was about to say sport and and it probably should, but you know, like the sport of wrestling, something he really loved. And he wanted it's hard to on some level to think I could be a legitimate wrestler. I could be more than just the guy who ruined this moment in mm -hmm. wrestling for the fans. I could be a guy who shows them that well, I can he could actually bring a wrestle. level of
1: showmanship that I think would be popular if it was an unknown person bringing the same showmanship. Yeah, and he knows that about himself. Uh, as an, uh, you know, he is an entertainer, right? Um, I was going to say just just like us doing this, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, and the family's there to talk about his love of wrestling as a child, which I don't buy any of it. Although he probably did watch wrestling as a child, but I mean, there's a bunch of actors in the room helping with this fun little project that's going on yeah yeah anyway.
2: yeah so yeah i, I mean okay. i i so i don't think anything is necessarily false in a oh. negative way yeah yeah this is not criticism right it's but just this is, it, it is what it is and and, and it's i fun. Th- and i think what it is is really well made and really thoughtful and something that I a wrestling fan again. a wrestling fan could enjoy But that also just your average viewer like Joe, who has no interest in wrestling outside of it, and Aaron who said and Aaron right my my wife who who watched along with me and I think similarly at the beginning was feeling like I don't give I don't want to watch a self absorbed David Arquette movie like what what do I need that for until it got on to that. Oh wait, no! This is going to be a story about like personal triumph and yeah, yeah. I, I
0: I wasn't I wasn't quite able to get Kylie to watch it with me, but I do think she would have liked it. Uh, once it was all said and done. Uh, yeah, I got a little chucked up at the end. It is a very it's a moving story if you allow yourself to like, you know. Well, it's over... just it's wonderful to see him
2: embraced by the
0: community, yeah. like the other wrestlers, the fans.
2: They re- And the like, match
0: at the end's a good from yeah, what we see of it, yeah. it is good. Like there's no, some
2: shit happening in there, you it, know. It's a it's a great, you know, yeah, it's a great little film. I think
0: the Basset Hounds? <laughs> love love some Basset Hound footage, I'll yeah. tell you. A plus. Yeah. Also oh God, I'm so glad I remembered this before we finished recording and I had to kick myself. What a good use of a Limp Biscuit song.
2: Oh man, there was some weird music that we did that, it all for the Nookie. Oh man, I that I you was cracking up. Can. I was cracking up when that came on. God, the so other good. one that really got me, the Carly Simon song that they throw in there. <laughs> I don't I didn't, I didn't
0: I didn't catch that one. <laughs> oh
2: man, um, I'm not coming familiar around familiar again. Enough. It was actually I think a song that she wrote for the movie Heartburn with Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. and okay. uh, Meryl Streep from the 80s. But it was a popular radio hit back in the. I mean, and when I came, I'm like, man, there, there were some other weird music choices. Like, there, there were some funny music I'm choices. I'm sure David, David in Arquette there. had a hand in
1: that because yes. he's a quirky dude. He, I mean, he does. that, that and, comes out here, and
0: yeah. that's what makes the movie yeah. fun. Yeah. Looking so. looking at his filmography, he has had a pretty rough go of it. Yeah. In the last like five or ten years. Okay. Yeah. Steve guy. Austin.
1: Was I wrong to give him short shrift a couple of weeks ago when I turned my nose up at his beer at the grocery store?
2: Well, Carlos already told us he has an opinion on this beer, so I'm curious to hear what that opinion he's gonna is. Make, he's gonna make it to where he goes last. No, I'm I'm forcing his <laughs> hand.
0: <laughs> I do like to go last. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, I mean it's good. Um, it I think is you know it says on the can or whatever. Um, <sighs> were you reading that from your iPad? And not from I was reading can? it from the can. Yeah, keep I'm going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, To deliver big flavor with an easy finish. It delivers on one of those two promises, I think. I wouldn't say that this has big flavor. It's got a pretty good flavor. But I think that even though this comes in at 6.7%, this drinks more like a session than it does a big bad IPA. Which I like that about it, honestly. I I, I can agree with the, it it does have a light, flavor a light
2: sort of uh body it's it's not a heavy beer in any sense and for a 6.7 it's kind of yeah. you know it's kind of getting away with something there there's oh, yeah. there, there's there's some uh, magic going on there some trickery uh but i find it very drinkable the only criticism that i have is Whatever it is, like 13 50 40 14 for oh, yeah, a four pack. Yeah, it's kind pack. of expensive. It's a little hefty for the price of a four pack. I feel like they're coasting a little bit on his name. Yeah. I'm sure that there's than, some licensing
0: costs yeah, tied up in that price. Yeah. If I, which,
2: which is fine. And I get that. And I get Steve
1: I, Austin tax. So, yeah.
2: I don't know that I like the idea of paying a premium for the Steve Austin yeah. beer, but. If if I see this in a cooler and I'm at a backyard cookout, man, I'd be grabbing this. Yeah. I I could probably oh, yeah. drink 3 or 4 of these easily. 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You the, would bring your own four-pack to the backyard, yeah. if you were really if you know, you were really balling like yeah. that.
1: I've been thinking about this all And if you're balling y'all like y'all that, talking. you should get on the Patreon. <laughs> when you say Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA and you list 3 nice hops on the side of the can, you call it badass. That's not what's in this glass. I'm expecting more. I'm expecting to get hit over the head. Yeah. I'm expecting my skull to break a little bit. I'm expecting <laughs> to see some, you know. However.
0: The gash on your neck from the broken glass. Right. Yeah, that's right. I might deal with the aluminum in.
1: In We're a little taking
2: while. Joe to the ER. To, sorry. It's, it's only nice, the first good.
1: half of this podcast. We don't even also, know what's going to go also in Also, the, the Luke
0: secondary. Perry bit at the end. With oh, oh, that was good. That was, was fantastic. That was I didn't too, realize that was Luke Perry when
1: we saw it. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Here is the flip side. Someone's going to go to HEB and see Steve Austin's new beer, and they're going to pick up an IPA, and they never picked up an IPA before. Yeah. And they that is actually some pretty brilliant marketing. We don't want to turn them off to the experience by delivering an El Chingon. You know, and heavy, you, heavy, heavy. And when heavy, you compare
2: malt. this to a Miller or a Coors or whatever it was that he's typically drinking in the ring that right. his fans would mm-hmm. know him
1: for, mm-hmm. this is a huge flavor step Certainly. forward for that. This yeah. is a very pleasant, nice Six point seven IPA that that's, that you concession, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a win, yeah. But Steve Austin's name on it uh, really freaked my expectations. Out. There's a picture <laughs> of, a, of a of a skull. Laughing at me, that's cracked wide open. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, sure I, I want a little bit of that. myself. And I believe that's actually the name of his ranch that is in
2: Texas. I think it's near Victoria, if I, if I'm not mistaken. He's from Victoria. You know, it's it? a ranch because well, but there's barbed yeah, wire so we, on the can. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah. it's Broken Skull Ranch. Anyway, so this understand. is not a this is not a bad beer. Not at no, all. No, good, good beer. Good um, beer. In fact, I would buy this again. But I don't know if I, I, I completely agree. Finally, with the uh, the Steve Austin tax, I don't care to pay it.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would love this to be a $10 four pack. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would ooh, it'd be a it'd be a fridge staple if it and was a $10 four Well, you're four talking
1: pack. the difference between a 10 and a $14 um tw- a four pack or six pack. You're you're talking about $4, not the 14. Mm-hmm. So really, when I'm at the liquor store or the grocery store that would carry this, I'm not going to not buy it because it's 14 if I choose to Spend 14. I'm going to find something different and probably better than I want to spend at that price point. Yeah. You, know, you follow me? Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, you're going to get. Otherwise, it's just another six of Bud Light.
0: Uh, yeah, you're going to get like a churro stout or you're going to get like a, you know. If a, I'm spending 15, a I'll, get ridiculous, uh,
1: I'll get ridiculous if I'm going to spend 14.
0: Yeah, you'll get a double dry hopped IPA. Ridiculous AF yeah, from uh, a heavily bar. fruited sour, mm. you know, something a little bigger and badder for that price than yeah. just. A good sessionable IPA. So I guess we, we call this. <laughs> Although one... I
2: do, I do kind of love that, that you guys have both slipped into calling a six point seven percent or uh, a sessionable, which I, I get. I mean, it, no, no, but no, it, no. it's r- it's right on that edge
1: where well, you I, don't want to get too. I was saying it a little too sarcastically. Yeah. you can session it because of the flavor bill is not yes. hitting you over the head, but you're getting a six point seven.
0: Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm also. I'm. I'm. I'm not saying it like with any kind of jest or irony or anything like that. I am referring it to as that because it tastes that way, yeah. and you could very easily drink several of these, yeah. and all of a sudden find out that you're very drunk, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you fall over and break your skull. Yes, right. exactly. Mission, There's okay. the name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I, so I guess round, is round one, one is right? over. It's so? it's not. Yeah, it's not. I'm not actually that jaded to say that 6.7 percent right. is a session. Anyway, uh, it is good though. Um, good on you, El Segundo. Good on you, Steve Austin. Um, good on you, David Arquette. You love to see it—a uh, true yeah. underdog story. This yeah. maybe this is the thematic sequel to Dodgeball. To Dodgeball, is yeah. that is that what we were seeing? Oh. Yeah. Well, we didn't
2: pair it with that, folks. But we promise when we come back from the break, we have another wrestling theme film that I think fits very well with this one, and probably in some ways is the spiritual precursor to this film. Uh, when we get back.
0: Hey, hey. I was really drawing that one out, so I made sure to get it in there. There you go. Um, Well, because we didn't want to associate ourselves with any hicks from Memphis or from the South, we are finding our way to more cultured territory, uh, (laughs) and that is Denver, Colorado. We are... uh, Drinking a beer from True Brewing. First time on the podcast. Pause for research. <laughs>
1: um, Trvee. T-R-V-E. I, I, right. I, 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 guess if you, I
0: guess if you said it the way that it's spelled, you would sound like a hick. Trvee. Trvee. Um, I No, I... I uh, well, they are well known for their...
2: Uh, all things metal, right? I mean, that that's kind of their, their breweries, uh, yes.
0: even more so than
2: Brash, maybe.
0: Uh, I would say definitely more so than Brash because they don't have any stupid, like, Anarchy A high school notebook letter <laughs> in their logo, <laughs> which, like, look, love Brash, but that shit is stupid. Um,
1: <laughs> and... I'm sure that if you are affiliated with Brash, you took no offense to that at all.
0: Uh, <laughs> probably not. Um, but, yeah, so this is our... <clears throat>
1: I don't have a problem with the uh, anarchy symbol in Brash, by the way. I don't like I enjoy it. I think their it's beer. cheesy. I, think I enjoy their Facebook feed very
0: much. I love their Facebook feed, and I love their beer. I also think the Metal Militia logo guy with the helmet or whatever is stupid, too. I think their branding's kind of bad hmm. as far as their main logo goes. The can art and stuff is great. Uh, and a, a beer a, a brewery that I really like, I have now shat upon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, yeah. Joe right here is scheming for,
2: how can I turn this into a Facebook feud that's yeah. going oh, uh, no, no, to drive listeners
1: to our podcast? Facebook. Yeah, I was going to say not the last to thing I want wanted. <laughs> <do>. Brash, <laughs> love you. The anarchy is fantastic, <laughs> and I'm wearing a helmet right now. <laughs> yeah, the
0: last thing I want is for Brash to uh, have something against me on the internet. Yeah, uh, they would eviscerate me. Well, but this we're not, not even drinking, drinking Brash tonight. We are drinking. We're drinking, drinking true. true and. Uh, you know The reason we got into this I feel like True is Fucking about that life They have the They have a Slayer themed beer They have the October Rust uh, Type O negative beer The Stout O Which is a Sun uh, Reference I mean really Like good shit They have these fantastic glasses with this, with the pentagram on them that are beautiful. Uh, stemless or masses. S- they, yeah. Stemless. Oh wait, or no, stems, that, no, that's, that's brash. brash. <laughs> uh, and so this, this, so I, so I, you know, Harold had, uh, had hit up a plug up there in Colorado. said, we wanted, uh, some stuff, uh, from true. Um, the stout, O being the thing that we were really after. Um, and so, he was like, was there anything else you want? So we were looking and we picked up some other stuff. uh, And then he was like, well, I'm going to these other breweries too. And if you'll remember, we had the funky blender from Casey brewing, right? That was a gift that Adam Mikulaj had hooked us up with, uh, that we had on the show. And then, so this is a, this is a, uh, a beer from that same care package, uh, that he sent. Um, and this one is a, a double, an imperial, it says imperial double on untapped. It's an imperial stout, um, called Total Funeral. It is a uh, deliciously black can with black text on it that's barely, uh, barely legible. And I love it. Uh, it comes in at 12%. Now, this is the oh. 2020 version of it, which untapped uh, lists as a vintage of Total Funeral, which was originally released in 2017. Uh, so I imagine that it's just been well, aged, yeah. or it's been sat. Well, on but it.
2: looking around, it looks like the recipe has changed because there was a version a few years back that was ten point two percent. So it seems like they they've maybe tweaked the recipe to get
1: it,
0: or maybe more they've robust. aged it longer, and that's done something. No, to it? I don't know. So I don't vintage,
1: know. Vintage. I'm thinking it's it, it, they, they yeah. didn't age it at their place for three years. They could have. Hmm. Um. Well, th- this can
0: says absolutely nothing on it, mm. and except for that it's an imperial stout and that it is 12% and that it's one pint and that it was brewed by True Brewing in Denver, Colorado. Now, we will see once we start tasting this if this is a variation of a similar recipe, and the only version of this that has a description is from uh, mid-December 2017, the standard total funeral, which was 102 that one was an imperial stout with maple syrup, vanilla beans, cacao nibs, coffee, and a whole disassembled whiskey barrel in the tank for good measure. Oh, wow. So when we drink this, we'll find out, is it just an imperial stout that's big and bad, or does it have some hmm. or all of those adjuncts? I'd be interested to, to know. So it'll be a bit of
1: an adventure, I'd say. Crack it. yeah,
0: Yeah, I've talked long enough.
1: We had discussed how to pair this movie and after the fact, I said another one that would have been good. I mentioned earlier is "Exit from the Gift Shop." Yes, manufactured documentary, which I you already heard me say. Right. David Arquette is uh, uh, is that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the star of this next film, though, is uh, a one of a kind.
2: Absolutely, uh, and and clear, and and as I said right before the break, I think a fairly clear um spiritual predecessor mm-hmm. to to what Arquette was doing in uh in in his film and and in fact he makes pretty clear direct reference to it when he wears a t-shirt uh in, in the course of his documentary David Arquette that is uh, wears a t-shirt that declares him the women's world wrestling champion yeah. <laughs> and uh the, and and that for those who are familiar with the Andy Kaufman story will uh immediately know that's a reference to him and his quest uh to (laughs) declare himself the intergender wrestling champion of the world right and uh and and what we watched as a companion was the film i'm from hollywood which was actually put out a few years after his death um so total funeral maybe is the appropriate beer to be drinking here um, he would appreciate that joke, I think. Yeah, he, is, he
0: is allegedly dead. Yes,
2: the, the, <laughs> the reports of his death seem to be consistent at this point, um, though there's been a lot of speculation. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> he died in '84, but this film came out in '89. It was a um, it, it was a project that was begun right at the end of his life with his then girlfriend Lynn Margulies, who went on to finish it uh, in the years after his death with uh, somebody named Jim Moore who I don't really know his work. But uh, Lynn Margulies, I think, was primarily an editor. I think she maybe still does some. But, uh, but, you know, became the director of this project in part because, you know, Andy trusted her and was working with her and wanted this project to get out yeah. there. And so what this is, it's a film that really focuses on his... Years uh, getting into wrestling and especially his feud with Jerry Lawler, who was with one of those regional circuits that was based out of Tennessee. Um, Memphis, Tennessee, to be accurate, and so I'm
1: from Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> 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 oh, and uh,
2: and 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 that's it. So, it, but you know, the the title "I'm from Hollywood" being that that was sort of the character that Kaufman brought to the ring. That was his taunt. Was his sort of a, an inflated, exaggerated version of a Hollywood elitist jerk, mm-hmm. um, because again, he had success in the in the television industry primarily. But, you know, it, it, success in entertainment based out of Hollywood presented himself that way. And and that was definitely something that he used to get both the other wrestlers, in, in this case Lawler, but also the audience especially, to just hate him. He he was playing the heel character. We didn't really talk about that, but that was also, Arquette was primarily a heel character in what he did. Like the the intentional villain, the one who's like, doing nasty stuff intentionally gorgeous George last week yeah right right so you know this film tracks it has a little bit of setup where it gives us some background on who was Andy Kaufman why do we even pay attention why do we even pay attention to this guy and then gets into his interest in wrestling women
1: and Talking then, Heads, yeah. you've got some stars from Taxi, Tony Danza, Mary Lou Henner, Robin Williams is a right. buddy of his who's presented as someone that was concerned for his mental well being mm-hmm. as he continued to pursue wrestling right. against the wishes and advice of his friends and you know, according to right. the film. His, cons- his
2: co-conspirator Bob Zamuda, mm-hmm. who who is kind of with him every step of the way throughout his career, and and often showing up on stage with him and playing a referee for yeah. you know like uh, some of these matches and whatnot. Yeah,
0: yeah. If I'm not mistaken, famously on a couple of occasions appeared as one of his characters, Tony Clifton. So
2: yes, the Tony Clifton character was is played by both of them at different yeah. times. And past Kaufman's death. Has been only played by, yeah. <laughs> as far as we know. Although that has been part of what has allowed people to speculate that Kaufman may still be alive, and yeah. you know, ha- yeah. he's
0: in Cuba with Tupac.
2: <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> right absolutely. Um, so, you know this this was a film that I remember first seeing in the late '90s on Comedy Central. They they played it quite a bit back then, and I I think. The first time I happened to see it was a moment where I was just starting to, I don't know, even, I, I was trying to think back how I even got interested in Andy Kaufman. Man on the Moon? It was before that, okay. because I remember, I, get, I ended up getting really excited that film was uh-huh. coming out. But no, there it was, it was sort of, you know, 97, 98, a little bit before, and I remember seeing this. I remember tracking down this other film that he did called My Breakfast with Blassie that was sort of a spoof of My Dinner with Andre, this more serious-minded film that's two guys having dinner. and to, Well, this was him having breakfast at a diner with uh, Fred Blassie, who was a wrestling wrestler and then later a manager anyway. So I remember seeing this. I remember being totally swept up in it, totally fascinated, read everything I possibly could about Andy Kaufman. Um, so we already know that I'm a fan, uh, and I'll talk maybe more critically about the film in a minute, but I'm curious, had you guys ever seen this before? Was this something that, uh, I mean, Joe, you seemed
1: familiar. Yeah, so I've d- seen it before. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I forgot I, to bring your DVD back.
1: I did not get into Andy Kaufman until after Man on the Moon. I was late to the party. I was aware of him totally. I'd seen the Mighty Mouse bit on Saturday Night Live and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I knew that he went on stage and read Great Cats, I knew things, but I, I did a deep dive after Man on the Moon. I mean, deep, nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really got to appreciate and know and try to learn everything I could about him. So I've seen everything that you'd mentioned. Uh, but I had left it behind. I I I'd had that chapter of interest. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to add to that chapter of interest. So it's just kind of sat there idly. I was eager. I, I was excited, rather, to, to see this film again. Um. It has a one flaw, one critical flaw, and that is that it tells the story of the match and then shows the match again, the same footage that you've just watched. Mm. It does that a couple of times, I'm sure, to pad the time of the film. I think mm. it comes in at about an hour. Yeah, a little over. So but they're yeah. padding time there. That's my only criticism of it. I just saw that. You showed yeah. me that.
0: I don't need to see that again. They did that a bunch.
1: Other than that, though, I feel this film to be much of... Kaufman's work and that is artful this is a piece of art mm-hmm. and the only thing that would have made this better is if Andy Kaufman had had final cut of it maybe mm. and been able to inject a little bit more of the point of it all um, but yeah Carlos go go ahead and then I'm sure if you want to go round robin again I got plenty yes. more to say about it I um,
0: I've seen um, Man on the Moon like recently um Uh, recently enough that whenever i started watching this i was convinced we had done it on the show or talked about coffin on the show and i and i've realized in thinking about it uh over the last like couple of hours or whatever that it must have just been because i i saw it after we started doing this podcast and um I, I mean, I love Andy Kaufman. Like, no, I mean, has anyone ever been as dedicated to anything as he was to performance art? Like, I mean, where his performances end and the act, I mean, yeah. does anybody know the real Andy Kaufman? Like, that seems to be how committed he was to what he did, which... And in my opinion is like such a noble endeavor because he wasn't doing anything marketable. He wasn't doing anything that was going to make him insanely rich. And what the one thing he did do, which was taxi, Mm -hmm. he seemed to have not loved. Well, no,
2: you're right. I mean, he's pigeonhole. He's a fascinating guy, and and I and I'm right there with you, Carlos. I mean. What swept me up in Andy Kaufman when I had that first awakening during college where, again, I can't even, it may have even been seeing this on Comedy Central late one Mm -hmm. night or something that it just dawned on me, oh, this guy who played this funny, like quirky side character on this sitcom that I vaguely remember from my childhood um, was really this sort of much more multifaceted and perplexing kind of presence in all of entertainment because he didn't quite fit anything and even when something that he did resonated with audiences it was like then that it seemed less interesting because he was so much more I think as a performer driven towards getting reactions out of people that were I don't know, for for lack of a better term, authentic, or these kind of, you know, I think actually there's a quote from him about, like, how he wants people to react from their gut with his stuff, whether it be, like, laughing, they're truly laughing because they just can't help themselves, or they're really scared, or they're really <laughs> angry, or they're really, Boy, you know, it's, he it's just like, wanted authentic emotion. And once you've, like, established a character like Latka, which was a version of his foreign man character that he played on stage yeah. which he did for many years but usually to audiences who didn't expect that and mm-hmm. didn't know what was going to go on with it and so he was able to use it to kind of fool them and lull them into this sense that oh we know what this guy is and then he would do his elvis impersonation and blow them away and be like oh wait this guy is that's a totally was, different thing than what i thought he was
0: that's what i was going to say is him doing bad impressions before doing right a fully spot-on elvis impression yes yeah uh, you know, and I'm 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 realizing now what my connection with all of this is, and it was there was a documentary about Jim Carrey playing him. Yes, Jim and yep. Andy. That was hey, Jim and which and is Andy. on Netflix. Yes, that's, very good. That's yeah. I, I Andy saw
1: and Jim. I can't remember the yeah, I, order. I
0: don't think we did that. No, on the show either, I don't think we did. But I remember watching that and being like, holy. What the fuck? And yeah. then I watched Man on the Moon. I'd never seen Man on oh, the Moon, okay. and I remember when Man on the Moon came out. This is—I feel like I've told a version of this story on this podcast so many times. Uh, but that was a movie that I remember coming out. And I remember seeing the poster for, and I remember seeing the funny man uh, from like Pet Detective or Mask. Like, you know, the guy—a <laughs> yeah. guy I yeah, recognized Carrey, or whatever—and sure. as a as a young person, I'd be like, "I want to see that." And My parents would be like, "You can't see that."
1: Uh, and but just being so well, cat that story has come up several times in the podcast recently Your that's parents what I'm saying. not taking it letting you see a move it's
0: early 2000s yeah i talked about it with ali yeah on, uh, yeah on, on
1: the last episode um
0: but I don't know why that movie poster struck me in such a significant way. But then, for whatever reason, and this happens, this has happened with a lot of stuff from that time period. I never, once I became of age, went back to like see it or whatever. Right. But I remember watching Jim and Andy and just being like so captivated by that documentary. And so going back and then watching Man on the Moon mm-hmm. and just thinking like this guy is fucking insane. Like, <laughs> this is like, but also. It's so like it's so admirable,
2: yeah,
1: to be that committed to something that really isn't. Well, the the thing of the motivation between Arquette and Kaufman, Arquette's packaging a film to be released. Kaufman mm-hmm. was doing this on a regional circuit, and the only time that it broke into national news at the time was when he did the Letterman appearance. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, this was for a very narrow audience. Yes, yeah. right taxi fans maybe taxi fans were coming to the and were disgusted to, by to the to the arena also yeah. his his but there was no internet to to, to promote no. this yeah. in a way where I, the mainstream audience which, could which which allowed it.
2: for a lot of it to work the way it did in some positive ways because the artifice of wrestling, like I said, this was the era, certainly, where the fakeness of wrestling was still a hidden, yeah. you know, an open, hidden secret. Right. Like, one that, yes, any thinking adult probably had a sense that, yeah, this is all scripted. But then, especially for the younger fans, and maybe even some of the ones who weren't as sharp, <laughs> like, let's let them believe. Sure. it's You know, like, let, let's have the, So there was this kind of openness. Don't so do it at home. The, the <laughs> yeah. Jerry Lawler... Uh, Andy Kaufman feud played off as very and and he was able to even heighten the drama of it through bringing it to the Letterman show and do doing this stuff on an even bigger stage, uh-huh. which was part of his goal. I mean, if you read, you know, about what he his intentions were, I mean, it it was a goof for him in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he he I think got a kick out of doing it. Obviously, he grew up as a wrestling fan. Gorgeous George was his hero. Uh He liked the preening. He liked the being obnoxious and getting the audience to hate you again. He wants reactions from the audience that are visceral, gut reactions. And when you see a guy like Gorgeous George talking about how beautiful he is and how that, and the audience is booing and hissing, that's real. You know what I mean? And he knew that that was something he could tap into. And getting back to that, I, you know, from what he. From all accounts, from what he said, from what people around him said, he genuinely saw wrestling as this this very important cultural phenomenon that was underappreciated. That there was such drama in wrestling that he wanted to bring it to a bigger audience. So there was some loftier goal there, I think, in his mind that he was going to be able to bring this form of extreme, exaggerated male melodrama Mm -hmm. to a bigger audience and again, I think one of the th- the thing that stopped him was his health. I mean, eventually he he had to stop doing this stuff because he got sick. He had cancer, and he and he, you know had to go away. But then they started this project, and I think in his mind, this film might be something
1: that could. But his take cachet up. allowed him to even attempt the intergender thing. I mean, without his celebrity to promote, oh, yeah, this nonsense, right, right?
0: But but also, it, it was. I mean, it was his celebrity, but he also knew that he was going to have to do something truly absurd in order to position or manipulate that celebrity in a way that would like get people's uh. attention or be viable or whatever. And that was another thing that I was going to say is that, like, again, speaking to his dedication to his art form and to his like performance is, I mean, he intentionally... Says some of the most heinous misogynistic things. Oh man! I mean, he says some terrible shit in yeah. like the interviews and stuff. Peeling the which, potatoes, like, scrubbing yeah. the carrots. Yeah, and he's raising sa- <laughs> the babies, and he's saying it in such a way where it's very believable that like he almost believe like now knowing what we know in hindsight or whatever, it's not really that believable or whatever. But I, I'm sure people at the time are hearing him thinking like, oh, he really believes that he's saying that w- women are only good for the cooking and the cleaning, and all this stuff. Yeah. And not only does he believe that, but he also believes that what he's saying is a compliment. Yeah. That what he's saying is a positive thing. Yes. You know, and so the fact that he was willing to make himself such a hateable yeah, insidious figure for the sake of the bit yeah. is like, that could that would never happen today.
1: There is, no and it would be artists, harder to pull off it today. Be, it would be, it would because of the internet and canceling yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I understand well, I, that. I think it's think about the audience. Think about the audience. Yeah. He wasn't concerned that that interview would be played on the nightly news with Walter Cronkite. Yeah. He, he, Cronkite. he was playing to, so he
2: probably would have been, ex- been excited if it was, but, yes, Certainly, he, but yeah, but he was
1: playing to this audience. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason why I brought up the the end game that Arquette had with his project and the end game that Andy Kaufman had with this was pure theater, pure entertainment, yeah, yeah. pure self indulgence. Yeah, and a commitment to the bit. Yeah, and David Arquette shows a commitment to the bit yeah. as well with the he the, does the he does Nick and the the physicality required right. to participate. I think, but Andy Kaufman didn't give a shit about the 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 physical. Uh, the physicality of it. No. He's right. not working his body into being a wrestling machine. <laughs> no, no, he did
2: not go that far. He didn't. He didn't he, train but he like sure David knew okay. how
1: to where to hold Jerry Lawler's legs. Yeah, when he was getting piled right, right, you know, pile driven. What's the proper? <laughs> yeah, there you pile go. Pile drove. I think you.
2: Uh, you know, it's interesting. The the roots of it, like if you if you read up on on Kaufman, there's a couple good biographies on him out there, or at least. Good to read. I mean, I I assume the the people have done their due diligence and all the research. But, you know, for the first four or five years that he was doing the intergender wrestling thing, it was mainly a way for him to be able to get women. I mean, (laughs) he would he would do these, you know, because he would be doing his he would tour with his act. And, you know, it was always and he started including this thing where he'd invite the women up and or or he'd say you know I'll give whatever $500 to any woman who can beat me right now I'm you know it'll be a fair fight we'll wrestle blah 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 and then mostly he would you know as they're wrestling and that was one of the funny things reading about it is like as he's wrestling and having these matches, probably some that we see glimpses of on there, he's talking to them and saying, like, hey, after this, you wanna, you know, get together and like <laughs> and So, you know, the the intergender thing kind of had a certain but he did have this real reverence for wrestling. And I think that once he got into it with Lawler or, or, you know, in the in the uh promotion down there in, in Tennessee, you know, I, I think it really went to another level and became this other thing. And yes, even as the intergender wrestling champ or whatever he was proclaiming himself to be, I think there was a level of him being the heel and willing to take that. Like publicly, I'm willing to be this nasty, nefarious, misogynist, you know, asshole from Hollywood.
1: But um, but it's for the entertainment. It's for the 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 people to enjoy this. It's why you go into a sorry. It's why you go into a deep dive with Kaufman because. Tell me who's done what he, that type of performance. Yeah, uh, mainstream enough to where we could be talking about him, the three of us today. Right, we all know his name. Who 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 does that? Yeah. You go into the deep dive because you're seeing something that I don't really think has been duplicated, but a type of art and a type of performance and comedy that it, uh, I, I haven't I haven't seen. Yeah. Since. Pl- playing and every with the idea of celebrity. It, it's Kaufman esque. He invented well, yeah, the thing, yeah. you know?
2: You're right. Yeah. I mean, one of the other films that got mentioned that we were talking about pairing with, or I think I mentioned it. <laughs> so I shouldn't say it got mentioned. I'd I, uh, I, mean, I mentioned, it did get mentioned I mentioned doing the uh, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix one. Is it I'm Still Here? Is uh, that what it was? The one
0: where he becomes a rapper? Yes. Yeah. Right.
2: Which I think is a very similar idea. Like I'm gonna take this, I have this public persona I'm going to do this very public leaving of my profession I'm gonna go on the public forum of the late night show with David Letterman I'm going to have this kind of mental breakdown I'm going to perform this way for people I'm gonna be a rapper Mm -hmm. like I guess like Kaufman was a wrestler uh you know so I, I think you're right Joe there are maybe a couple people and I guess maybe we could put Arquette in that category to some extent now he especially tried. given the,
0: um, his was a, a bit more genuine no, and he was, was more not. successful well
1: I say it the, wasn't genuine at all it was purposeful I mean what he, you mean him being a wrestler yeah I mean he did the work so, you know he was going to do the David we will get back to you I promise <laughs> he was going to do the work for the sake of the project. He what he did not give a shit about clearing his name with the WCW fans. I don't. I don't $2. even I don't. begrudge him that. I, I don't know. I,
0: but
2: I would say that Kaufman was genuine too. I mean, I guess I would say that I think well, it has he, to be genuine. To he pull really it off did love wrestling,
0: yeah. which and is it, maybe why the Joaquin documentary didn't work.
2: That, okay, there I think you're hitting on something yeah. where I think they picked something that it was more like. Oh, wouldn't it be, what would be the stupidest thing for you to try to be? What would be the one A rapper. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that
1: would be stupid for me to be. Yeah, acting like, and wrestling is not too far apart anymore. Who's no. <laughs> the number one star in the land? Right. Yeah.
2: But, but I think Arquette and Kaufman were both guys who had genuine love for professional wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And who Clearly. were both trying to do something for the sport, for, for that entertainment, not just at its expense. Or Billy
1: Corgan, another one. Oh, yeah. He's he loves professional, he loves professional wrestling. He loves professional yeah. wrestling. And he shows nut, up in though. the Arquette documentary. Yeah, he shows yeah. up briefly. Yeah. Very
2: briefly, yeah. He's a fucking nut. Oh, he um, is, yeah. Don't don't listen to anything he says, no, but... Yeah. God, no.
0: Uh, yeah, that Joaquin documentary is not good. No. I... I thematically it fits, but I tried to watch it once. I mean, not to mention the Casey Affleckness of it. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's got a high quotient, but yeah, I, I, Oh man, I could not get through that one. Have you seen Uh,
1: exit through the gift shop?
0: I have not. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. I'd love to do that on the show. I I know that I need to. I have a copy. Um, to I mean, to get to what like, I think our podcast is really about is I'm from Hollywood is not a good film no it's not it's not on
2: the yeah. level of a film that's been put together in a really artful way no
0: this but it's almost hard to finish a f-
2: oh okay well I, because i, I it, wouldn't because go that it, far
0: because it, i mean it was for me because it does that thing where it shows you the same clips multiple times yeah where at a certain point i'm just like i think i understand what's happening and i think i'm done oh. you know See to
2: me, I, and I've watched it several times. I the mean, first like fifteen I said, minutes I've, of it is. I've gripping. definitely, I've definitely watched it. You know, back in the day on cable, I got a DVD of it in the two thousands. I probably watched it a handful of times, showed it to people. It was something. There, to me, it captures some great performance moments. I mean, those. The, I don't even know. There's probably a term that, that, if we were wrestling fans, we would know. Whatever those promotional videos yeah, we they do, wrestling to, to hype. A, a match, you know, where they're talking uh-huh. with, you know, there's yeah. often somebody pretending to interview them uh, yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, which is great. So what are you going to do with the match? Hulk, uh, you know, Hulk, <laughs> Hulkmeister, <laughs> Meister, you know. Oh, I'm going to take a, you know. So the, those, but those with Kaufman where he's going off about, you know, what women's proper places, uh-huh. what people from Memphis, Tennessee are like, how
0: they should be out plowing the fields mm-hmm. and like, just some mm. the part where he's holding up a bar of soap and he's like, "I know you've probably never seen this before, but stay with me." Yes, so, uh-huh. not so, not <laughs> so it.
1: So, so.
2: When he, so when he has the three hundred pound woman and he's like
1: grinding her face <laughs> you don't into have the any ground, money. I think she's hurt. I think
0: she's hurt. <laughs> you yeah, don't have any money. She's fine. You can't do anything to you me. Do you anything. don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, it's Dude, great. It's it's, it's it's an art piece. I mean, from it start is just
2: some mind bendingly mm-hmm. strange performance yep. that you're gonna see there. So. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, Carlos. I would never show this film in a class and say, documentarians, let's dissect this and think about how we put together a documentary because no, it would lead us down bad paths. You know, like (laughs) there are bad practices in there in terms of how this got put together. But if I was doing a class on performance and on, you know, really sort of, you know owning the character and being the character and and Come where you bed. can go with that yeah. i would i would think about using it and de- and definitely would think i would have some interesting discussions with students about where where he goes with that it's funny also like i love the moments with robin williams who's clearly playing this sure. kind of yeah. you know his answers are very you know, like in quotes, always because he's mm. playing into the whole thing. Like, we're really concerned about Andy, you know. Like, yeah. he wasn't concerned about Andy, he knew Andy was in control, he understood what, what Andy was doing. If anybody did, oh,
1: he, Robin Williams was playing a part in this, yes, in yeah. this right kind of thing. Yeah, the, you You're know,
2: Zamuda does too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think Henner and, and Danza to a lesser extent. <laughs> I don't think Danza's capable of that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It was, it was, it was too Dan's gripping a performance from him. Of,
2: of playing anything other than Tony Danza. I yeah. mean, all, all, he was... the fact that both of his major TV roles have had to be named Tony <laughs> tells you a lot about the level of acting that that means. And don't get me wrong, I I like Tony Danza as a screen presence, but Taxi he's always Tony Danza. the boss Danza, of the ones you're talking about? Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he, I agree, and the, <laughs> the thing I've seen him in that I like him in the most he really is Tony Danza but like a cartoonish version of Tony Danza um, that film that Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed wrote and oh, starred in the Don John jo- Don John yeah. which, Don John is, which is, is a great yeah. movie by the way I I I haven't seen this since it came out. I remember liking it. I like but it. I remember Tony Danza being fucking yeah. good Tony, in it. Tony Dan. Like, he's super tan and, like, kind of buff. Like in this room, we don't and he's have to ask a, who's the boss. He's wearing, a, <laughs> we a, the he's wearing a white tank top the whole yeah. time, gold chains or yeah. whatever. He's just, like, so ridiculous. But, I, you know, th- there is
2: just that part of me, though, that loves the fact that I think of all the taxi cast... Probably Danza is the furthest removed from Kaufman. Where I think oh, yeah. he probably had to be there every day, scratching his head, like, "Why do we what let this guy hell be here?" <laughs> you know, like this guy's crazy. You know, the, DeVito. I think totally got Kaufman. He loved Kaufman. Yeah. He he participated heavily in Man on the Moon, and you know was very much a, an advocate for remembering Kaufman and everything. I think Henner even, but. But Danza always struck me as as a guy who just, as like... As confused. Mu- Must have been, like, scratching his head for five years while they were on that sitcom together, like, why yeah. do we keep paying this guy? I have
0: I have never seen an episode of that show. Taxi? Oh, well, there's some uh, good ones. Yeah, yeah I've never seen, seen one before. It Jim, the Christopher Lloyd character, funny stuff. Oh, I forgot.
2: Christopher Early, Lloyd. early Carol Kane. Love yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Anyway, oh. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, no rogue beer. So my my pronouncement uh, yeah, on this film is, like, I am never going to tell people that this is the documentary that you have to see. However, from a documentary standpoint, however, it is a film that I will always tell people who are getting interested
1: in Andy Kaufman. Yeah, you need, you need to take a peek at this one. Well, if you're getting interested in Andy Kaufman and it works correctly, you're going to see it. Yeah. You're going to see everything. I mean, yeah, if, if you saw like Man on
0: the Moon and were like, I am fully captivated by this then this is something you should see because you get to see you know it's like it's like the difference between like secondary and primary sources yeah like this is the primary source and so you get to see him do what he does in a way that like you know you can see reenacted or you can hear somebody talk about but to like see him do it and see how committed he is to it and see how and see the he sells it yeah, and see cuz you're reactions. seeing those audiences you're seeing the
2: the wrestling fans at those events and they're i mean those facial expressions the reactions like especially the women i feel like the because he is so misogynist and uh-huh. such a terrible heel about like just seeing that, like, great heel, kill him, kill like yeah. they want him
0: to suffer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they want someone to
1: fucking. They up. want that rich Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. What? So, uh,
0: you know, it's hard to say whether he's really dead or not. But what we can say is that total funeral exists uh, <laughs> for sure. And what did we think about that?
1: i want to say this first. As far as pairing two beers together, these were perfect. That light-flavored IPA at the beginning, the sequencing was very good. Yes, but now we're here. Now we're in a whole new world of beer making. This Mm -hmm. is rich, complex, deep, thick. That twelve percent hits you. I mean, which in a a way that I enjoy. I mean, I'm talking flavor-wise. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we had quite enough for it to hit. This might be a top five beer of the year. Now, as far as all the adjuncts and stuff, I'll let you guys sort that out. Are you getting anything clearly? D- so it's roasty for sure. I was
2: going to say, and and almost and it's uh, sweet. It's sweet, but I I was going to say there's a smoky note in there mm-hmm. that isn't always there with an imperial or even a barrel-aged imperial stout. This barrel aged imperial stuff. Although this isn't barrel aged, it took a
0: barrel apart this and the, put it inside the, of the barrel. The original, yeah, the original version of it at least they yeah. said that they. Took the barrel apart and dropped it in the tank, right? Which is slightly different. Normally, it's normally if a brewery is cutting corners on a quote unquote barrel aged stout, it's chips they right. of a barrel that they put in the tank uh, to more quickly impart that flavor than if you properly barrel aged it. Mm-hmm. And you can taste those corner cuts, usually. You know, you don't get it. It's not as smooth. It's yeah. a little more like... It's
1: there, but it's not...
0: It's just there in a way that's not great. Mm-hmm. Like, a truly barrel-aged beer has the notes, but it is very smooth, and it's rich, yeah. and it's complex, and it's You're, you're rewarded for um, the artisanship. Exactly. Yeah. But it sounds like what they did is somewhere in between those two things because yeah. it's not chipped. It doesn't it's seem. Just they've it's like broken they just it took up all the planks apart in, yeah. and they fucking, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I looked on their website as well and all it says about this beer on their website is Imperial Stout. It doesn't right. say anything else. Yeah. And so I don't know. There are some adjuncts in there for sure, right? Because yeah. you don't just, it doesn't, a, a, a stout of this ABV isn't this sweet. On its own. Is no, it? No, not usually. I, But, I
2: mean, but it could be just under-attenuated. I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely get some of the sweetness. I don't think it's over the top. No. Um... Mm-hmm. It's I don't get. I don't necessarily get any other distinct flavors that I would say are definitely
0: attributable to some sort of adjunct. I'm definitely not getting maple like in the original. No, that's not
2: there. No, I don't get any maple. Maybe it's just vanilla. But I I get I'm a lot of the roastiness caramel, that you're talking that's about.
1: That's not on the bill. Yeah, no. and it, and I definitely
2: get some of the barrel. But it's like I say, there's like a smokiness, almost like a burnt wood barrel yeah. kind of. Like a char, yeah, the, the piece to it that I don't know if that's what brought that to it, but it was something that was there the whole time I as was I was pleasant. sipping it. Do it was, like it was good. It's an intense beer. Yeah. I mean, like Joe said, this is if we're talking about ends of the spectrum. You know, if we went with the Steve Austin Broken Skull IPA as a somewhat um, lighter take on the IPA that makes it very drinkable, this one is as hefty. A flavor yeah. profile as it comes, yeah. very deep roastiness, mm-hmm. very dark, um, and like Rich. I said, with with that kind of smokiness to it, I like it, but it is a lot
0: It's intense. Yeah, I I had but look the, at the coating on I your was, glass. I was yeah. gonna, I was going to bring that up towards the end of my dissection, but yeah, I mean the bottom of my glass is tinted. Uh, yeah, from that, um, I've had this sitting in my fridge now for almost two months, I think. Um, you're a good man. And because, you know, this was a, I mean, this was a $10 can of beer. Um, maybe it wasn't quite two months. Um, do you need some money? I think, no, 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 no. Um, uh, well, but but I'm saying I'm saying that because they're sold in two packs for twenty dollars. Oh yeah. And when Harold and I were putting together what we wanted, yeah. we split almost everything we got with the exception of the October rust because it was like a Festa beer or something like that. Uh And which I guess isn't a style that Harold was really jazzed about and he doesn't give a fuck about typo. I don't think, Uh, (laughs) which is great for me because I know plenty of people that give a fuck about typo. And so I was able to give a couple of cans to some of those people. Um, But so we got this one and because it was a two pack and $20, we just got a two pack of it and split it. So because of that, and I just had the one can, I was like, well, I should save it for the show. But it had been kind of a while, and there hadn't been a really good pairing for it, and we and it hadn't, and we would had so many other things that were good pairings, or from states that we needed to take off, yeah. that we just hadn't gotten around to it. And I was like, well, maybe I should just drink it. Like, you know, it's been in there for a while, and I, I didn't really have anything great in my fridge at the time, um, and so I almost drank it last night by myself. And boy, am I glad I didn't. I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I would have
0: loved. Having this, uh, like 16 ounces of it, I think, but it also would have been quite a lot.
1: Yeah. And you would have fallen asleep during the movie, no doubt. For sure. Uh,
0: And I think that that drinking the whole thing by myself, at least for me personally, uh, and I'm sure this definitely varies for people, that maybe by the end of it, it would have gotten so intense that I would have started to fatigue on it. But because I only had four ounces or whatever. Yeah. Now, I will look back very fondly on this beer yeah. and be like, oh man, I wish I would have had more of that rather than like, oh, I've had too much of this. You know right. what I yeah, mean? Dude, and so it's better. I think I, think I might that agree way.
1: with you that we had the, we split that three ways was, uh, it, it gave you a nice, good indication of what the beer was trying to do, but it didn't take you over the line.
0: Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, a whole pint of that might have been like at a certain point, like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, I get it already, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, did very much enjoy this, yeah. and yeah. I agree with what you were about to say, Joe. What a
1: great episode! I was gonna say get your hands on this beer, but I I didn't know what this episode would be because I. But when David started listing off like his re, his wrestling resume, <laughs> I knew we were in good hands. You know, and, I had no idea, and surprisingly
0: for for a kind of. uh Afterthought programming wise, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of we were just kind of tossing out ideas, and I had remembered about that this documentary, and I was like, Oh, this one, or whatever. Yeah. And then we all kind of were like, Oh, okay, yeah, that could be good. You know, it wasn't like our most anticipated of 2020. Yeah. It wasn't like, Oh, we've been meaning to get around to doing a Fellini film or something, and so we did that. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was a palate cleanser, it, it was just like a thing, like, Oh, this could be fun to do. Mm-hmm. It's one of our longest episodes in a while. Well, as it stands right now, I mean, lots to say about this. We need films like these too. I
2: mean, that's I, I think you know all of our listeners. If if you're looking for something that uh, could be a nice break from the headier stuff that we tend to throw at you, or and you probably throw it yourselves. Or, or even the, you know, just straight up comedy stuff. I mean, like this, this fits this kind of interesting area where there's something, maybe a little more depth than your typical, typical comedy. And on top of that, um, I think it, it's it's a nice change of pace. So I don't know. I, I'm glad that we we took this little kind of side road yeah. here for this episode. Yeah, yeah.
0: Have you had this total funeral? Any variation of it? I'm sure you've had the Steve Austin's broken skull IPA at this point. It's, 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 it's everywhere now, uh, at least here in South Texas, where it's probably one of the last places it would reach. Um, have you seen any of these films? Do you think that you could potentially kill David Arquette? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) Let us know on Twitter at beer movie show, uh, Instagram at beer and a movie, Facebook.com slash beer movie, TX, beer movie podcast.com. There's a link, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please rate, review and subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Anytime someone looks for a beer podcast or a movie podcast, we want them to see us first. Tell a friend if you like the show, uh, let's get that listenership up a little bit. Um, and also if you want to hear more, there is a bonus episode every single week, uh, that you can find at patreon.com slash brand podcast. That's $5 a month to get a bonus episode every single week. You can donate less if you'd like, uh, but you won't get that bonus episode and you can also donate more than $5 a month. If you'd like, if you really got it like that and really just want to flex on us, uh, we'll take your money. Uh, and uh, pile drive c- us on that. <laughs> pile, drive <laughs> us on the patreon. Uh, lots of good stuff happening over there, not just movie related, not just beer related. Uh, it's good shit. Um, but until next time,
2: whenever I play a role, whether it's good or bad, an evil person or a nice person, I believe in being a purist and going all the way with the role. If I'm going to be a villainous wrestler, I believe in going all the way with it and not breaking character and not giving away to the audience that I'm playing a role. I believe in playing it straight to the hilt.